0: Well, good morning. Welcome to the first Sunday of April. You can't catch up there. It's warm outside, right? Matter of fact, I don't even think that's fair to April. I, I would expect the first Sunday of April to be cooler than, than this. Man, that is something out there. Great weather, though. How many of you yesterday took advantage of this warm weather to, to go out on a five, six-mile run? Three-mile run? How about a good brisk walk? Okay, there we go. I, I, I've got neighbors. I know that I've got neighbors. I saw out yesterday. Yeah, so uh, I'm I, I, thinking about running. I was, I was uh, yesterday. I posted online about, um, hey, tomorrow I'm going to talk about what sport the Christian life is like, and got a bunch of comments to that, and found out there's very few athletes here at the Heights, but a lot of comedians. We we are filled with that. It, it, obviously, like synchronized swimming and bowling were the number one. Number one suggestions of what the Christian life is like, but yeah, I've already kind of given it away. Kind of thinking about running there because you know when you think about running, and clearly nobody in here does, uh, but but when you think about running, especially like on a on a cross country team or a, a track and field team, you you think you're looking at an individual sport, right? I mean, we refer to that as an individual sport. It's, it's an individual time. It's an individual medal. It, it's an individual that you watch cross the line. And so, I mean, for good reasons, we think of this as an individual sport. But I think, as somebody who's been on a cross-country team or a track and field team, that it is every bit the team sport as, as football, baseball, basketball, any of those. I mean, when you're, when you're at a meet, An individual runner is very aware of... of who he or she is on the team and what their points are going to do for the team. Sometimes you don't even get to run the race you want. I mean, I've gone to, I'm ready to run this. I really want to get a personal best in this. And, but my coach wanted me in this race and he wanted me on this relay. Was he thinking about me? No, he was thinking about the team and the points and boy, the victory at the end of the day is not what the individual gets. It's when the team hoists the trophy. And you know, it's not even just uh, competition, even training. I mean, it's like scientific proven fact that when you're running with others, you're going to run further, you're going to run faster, you're going to be more efficient in a workout. So, you know, for those of us that have done that, it is very much... A team sport. And I know about the individual part. I mean, like as an individual, I was able to get a scholarship to run it at Texas A&M. So you think, okay, I'm really dialed into the individual aspect of this. But you know, when I look back, and granted, it's getting a further and further look, but when I look back, I, I promise you folks, what comes to my mind of, about running is the team I was on and what we accomplished as the team. It, it, it's amazing to me how vague the, the a personal victory or times, oh, pastor, you're so humble. Well, yeah, I, I really am. But no, that's really not it. I got about as much ego as anybody else out there is struggling with. I know my personal times. I know my personal best. But honestly, when I look back, like, I mean, I would say one of the, biggest things I was a part of when, when I think of running is I was a part of the 8th, ninth, and 10th year in a row that our high school cross-country team won the state championship. And so, you know, it's, it's the team. It's what the team did, what we, uh, what we accomplished as a, a team. And, and so for kind of in that context of understanding that now, that's where I would say, you know, the Christian life really is a lot like being... On a cross country or a track and field team, there is a tendency to look at the Christian life and really see an individual sport. I mean, I'm gonna—I I'm, mean, not all the time, but most of the time, I'm reading my Bible. I'm—I'm I'm alone. Not all the time, but most of the time, I'm praying. I'm—I'm I'm alone. You know, when you think, I'm guessing in your life, when you think about areas you're really trying to be obedient or grow in obedience or maybe areas of temptation that you're trying to beat, you're doing that alone. And I don't mean alone like in a negative way, like all I need is myself. It's just A lot of those things we're doing in in our own journey with the Lord. And so there's a real, it's real easy to think that, hey, what I am for the Lord, what I'm trying to be with the Lord, walking with the Lord, this this is an individual sport. And anybody living the Christian life alone is not living the Christian life. And this burdens me because the individual has become American Christianity. And it really is kind of our focus, I I think, especially at a time like this, a a, a beginning of the year. And man, there's things I want to be better at. There's things I want to grow in. And and we come here and I've kind of got this equation of of what I'm going to do alone. And people come and they try out church, they try out Christianity solely on what they do together. And they completely leave out the one another They they completely leave out the team aspect of this. And so they don't experience God. They don't experience Christianity. Of course, they walk away and say, I tried that. It didn't work for me. You didn't try it. And nowhere in Scripture is this aloneness being presented. What is being presented over and over and over is the the team. And the truth of the matter, I'm using team because it fits my illustration today. But the truth is, team is a too weak of a word. The, the words the scripture uses are a little bit heavier, a little bit stronger. When it talks about what we are together, it's not, it's not that we're a team. We're a body. We're a family. Now think about that. Team members come and go, right? I promise you, when I think of a body, I don't want any of my team members coming and going. I don't want any of them leaving. I want them all staying right here connected to the, to the team. Family, good, bad, right, wrong. Family is family. It, it, it stays together. So the Bible uses a little bit stronger word than team, but we'll, we'll go with team for the moment. So last week we kind of opened and, and said, Hey, I want, I want this to be the best year I've had in the Lord as an individual. As an individual, I want this to be the best year I've, I've had in the Lord. And I would imagine a, a lot of us in here, if I was to use the word equation, you know the things that need to happen for that to happen. Okay, I I'd probably need to do more of this. I need to add that. I probably need to take that out. We, we know the addition and subtraction that needs to take place if I'm going to have a really good year in the Lord. But I also floated the idea last week. That there's a piece of the equation that maybe a lot of us miss. That that we don't add. And so therefore we're not putting together an equation that's going to work. And it's this idea of what we do together. So last week we said, hey, if I want to know the Lord, I need to lead somebody, help somebody, encourage somebody to know the Lord. Folks, literally right out of the gate as a brand new Christian... God has us connected to one another. Growing experience is what I'm going to do together. And so right there in the very beginning, man, if I'm going to know and grow and experience the Lord, it's going to be what I do with others. And our tendency is to say, well, I I, I, I can't. I mean, I don't, I don't have enough experience or I don't have enough faith or I don't have enough knowledge. I'm not going to be able to help somebody. Probably a lot of us in here would be saying that. I, I can't. Yeah, yes, you can. What the Scripture modeled for us, and again, we saw this last week. What the Scripture modeled for us is people who had met the Lord and knew the Lord for, like, say, all of five minutes were now qualified to go and get the going and the getting is a huge part of the equation of, of building that life in the Lord. Even if you say, oh, I don't have enough faith or knowledge. Y- yes, you do. And so we came out of the last week and we said hey here's kind of kind of be our motto not just for the series but the coming year is I want to be one who leads one if you're struggling with that word lead put the word encourage put the word help put the word come alongside but be one who leads one And I said, each Sunday we're going to look at a different way that we would want to lead one. In other words, it might be more than one person in our life. There may be some that we want to lead, and we said last week, to worship. And worship doesn't necessarily mean, although probably this would be a tool that we use, bringing somebody to a worship service, but the idea of worship there is a little bit broader. Just bringing somebody before Christ, not not to beat them in a debate not to be able to answer all their questions. Gosh, I want to get better at answering questions. But that, that's, not the, that's not the qualification. It's just to, hey, come and see. You decide. You decide if he's worth. And that's why we use the word worship. If he's worth your faith. If he's worth your following. And, and so we, we want to be one who leads one to worship. And today we're going to say we want to be one who leads one to Connect. Now, you can't imagine me doing this series and not using the word connect, right? If you've been around the heights for a while, you know connect's a pretty big word around you. I mean, we got t-shirts about this. You know, life is better connected. And uh, we're going to read a passage today that's that's going to help us with this. A matter of fact, go ahead and, and turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And we're going to look at a passage that I'm going to guess is mildly familiar to us. I think most of us will read this passage. Oh, yeah, I've read that before. I would call it a passage that we know that doesn't mean that much to us. And it's not because it's not important. We read it. We look at, okay, that's important, I guess, historically. I guess I need to know that and how it came about and how it came together. But when I read that, I mean, there's nothing in this passage for me. There's nothing in this passage that's going to help me with my challenges, my problems, or or growing in the Lord. And yet I would say we need to look at the passage a little bit differently. So let's do that. Let's start by reading it. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. In these days he, he is Jesus, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called, Jesus called, his disciples... And chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John. It doesn't say James and John are are a brother here, but they, they are actually brothers. And Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. You know, I, don't you know that that when Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John started writing these, these Gospels, don't, I, I just, for some reason, I see Judas, the son of James, calling them and saying, Hey, y'all make sure to make it clear which Judas I am. You've got to put some kind of distinguisher in there. (laughs) I I, I doubt he called them, But anyway, so what what, what did we just read? Jesus calling the disciples. Uh, We know that. We know Jesus called these 12. And, you know, but, but I mean, really, what does that have to do with me? Hey, could I suggest that Jesus is modeling the way the Christian life is lived? It's lived in community. And it's lived in small group. Now, small, does small mean there's a large? Well, I mean, look at, look at what we just read. It said, from among them. You know what the passage doesn't tell us is how these 12 guys got chosen. We don't know what the requirements were, if there was certain things he was looking for. As a matter of fact, all we know is Jesus went and prayed all night. I'm, I'm assuming by the connection of the prayer to the calling that these were, these were men that God laid on his heart, and so prayer had something to do with it, but we really don't know what else was going on here. I think we might assume, well, he chose the 12 best. Wouldn't you think? I mean, if you're putting a team together, hey, can I get the 12 worst guys in here? No, you, you, you didn't, Well, the, the, he picked the 12 best. Or maybe he picked his 12 best friends. You know, the one he felt closest to and liked. But I think it would be wrong to assume that. I, 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 there, there is others. There is others following. There are other good friends. As a matter of fact, we only have to go a few chapters to chapter 10. And we see Jesus send out. You know what the word apostle means? It says he, calls, he called 12 and he called them apostles. The word apostle means to send out. Well, that sounds like a formal official title, and it is, but it's also an action. And in a few chapters, he's going to send out, not 12, 72. I mean, there's a lot more than the 12. He's going to send out 72 to minister, to, to share the gospel, to do the work of missions. And Jesus says the sending out was wildly successful. So that tells me not... Only does Jesus have other followers, he has other good followers. I mean, these are guys who can go out there and they can do it, okay? They can go out there and play the game if we're sticking with that illustration today. So it's not just that he chose the 12 best. It's not just that he chose his best friends. As a matter of fact, if you read through the Gospels, and it might take a couple of times to pick this up on your own, but you'll start to notice Jesus likes to go to Bethany. Little village, I mean, whenever he's close to Bethany, he's going to go to Bethany. Hey guys, let's get in there and have dinner with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Two sisters and a brother. And it it never says, hey, we need to get into Bethany because this person needs to be healed. Or we need to get into Bethany for this ministry. It appears, it seems like most of the time he wants to get into Bethany, I want to have dinner with them. I want to to spend the evening with him. It, It appears that quite often he just enjoys hanging out with these two sisters and brother. So don't assume that the 12 are the only friends Jesus had. He had other followers. He had other friends. It seems like very on purpose. And I would probably say more for us in a disciplined way. He put together a smaller group to work the Christian life, to live the Christian life, to practice the Christian life, to do that together. If this is going to really happen, boy, we, we, we've got to do this together. That is what he is modeling for us. and it seems just to be some pretty well, the biblical word is ordinary. He just chose some ordinary guys. You know that word ordinary is kind of funny. I'm, I'm guessing you wouldn't take it as a compliment as if you heard me talk about, oh, he's a very ordinary person. Oh, thank you, Pastor. That's the sweetest thing I've ever heard. No, m- most of us aren't going to. The word ordinary, when it's used there several times of the disciples, is not meant to be a derogatory statement, or they, they were dumb, or they didn't have anything to bring, or they didn't have any any skill. No, it, it's saying that Jesus did not on purpose go out and say, oh, listen, I'm putting a team together. I need a business guy. Uh, you know what? We ought to get a good communicator unless I'm not feeling well one day. And, and hey, maybe I probably need somebody that's got a lot of connections. Maybe they can get us into government or, or some corporate. That's not how he chose people. It appears that Jesus put together this group by people that just living for God brought to him. I, I'm, I'm living, I, you know, I came to earth, I'm living for God, and on that path, these are the people that God brought into my, my path. You know, you have a group of people like that. You, you have a group of people that living for God has brought into your path. It's called the church, right? I mean, think about. It. there's people we group up with, we like, and we build relationships, we have friends, but a lot of us will end up going to a church where maybe we don't even know any, anybody that's, you know, I think probably in a, in a church like ours, in our community there, I mean, there's people in here that have been here 40, 50, 60 years. You, you went to high school. Before you were ever a part of a, the, the Heights, you went, you went to high school together in the 70s. I mean, there are a lot of existing relationships in this room that happened before necessarily church did. But for most of us, that's not the case, right? I, 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 I came into this room. I came into this building. I didn't know anybody. That's, that's what's true for me. It wasn't friendships that brought me in here. It was just living for God, I I want to know the Lord, I want to love the Lord, I want to serve the Lord, and I know I know church is a part of that. And and so what do we do? We we walk into a church. Maybe we know some people, maybe we don't, but but boy, in time we begin to build the relationships, right? And we begin to build the friendships. It was just living for the Lord that brought people into this path. And from the large group, we we engage in a small group. Now the funny thing is you don't need actually a church, and by church here I mean a a building with a sign out front that has the word church on it. I I, I mean a lot of us are involved, have been involved with Christian activity outside of the church. Maybe your place of business or your, your school has a prayer group. A, a, a Bible study. I mean, maybe your neighborhood has that. Man, those are those are awesome things to be involved in. Should you be involved? I mean, I would say absolutely, 100% of the time. What? what hey, engage with believers in as many places you can. Uh, live for the Lord with as many different people out there as you can. But I would say the first place, the primary place to build the small group, and let me explain primary. If you're somebody that is saying, now, I've only got time for so much. Okay, I can't can't be going to a Bible study every single night. Most of us can't. So if you're somebody that's saying, I've only got time for so much, then to you, I would say the first place to build your small group is inside this large group. And, And here's why. When I'm involved, and I have been involved in a small group outside of the church, they tend to be, for the most part, very singularly Focused. We gather for Bible study. We study a passage and it's over and we leave. We gather for prayer. We have our prayer and and then we leave. And that's about the single extent of it. Not in every case, but most of the time. But when I'm building a small group inside of the large group, you see, now I've got this group. We're praying. We're reading the Bible. We're growing in a friendship in the Lord while... We join the large group in worship together while we go out on mission trips together, while we go out just from this building into our community and do works of ministry, works of good together. There's so much more that we can be and do when the small group is built inside the the church to advance the cause of the church. You know, that's a kind of a funny phrase to say, to advance the cause of the church and this kind of goes back to our individualism <laughs> but you know as americans and we're all affected by our culture we're not big fans of institution are we we don't we don't like institution we don't like corporate we don't like big there's just kind of an automatic skepticism that that comes with that and and so the idea of the and the church has gotten wrapped up in this people don't like the you know i don't like organized religion I I don't like the church because of that corporate or that institutional feel. Listen, I I can respect why certain people feel that way. I can respect the things maybe that they have seen and experienced that make them say that. But we got to keep one thing in mind. Jesus loves the church. He loves what we are officially and formally gathered as the church. How much does he love? He calls us his bride. He he calls, I mean, what's a bride? That's your treasure. That's what you value. That's the, the beauty of your life. He calls us the bride. So we actually want to be a people that are all about advancing the cause of the the church. So when my small group and my large group work together, then, then there's a greater chance to to make that happen. You know, I uh, it's if you've been around here any amount of time, it's it's not unusual to hear the, the pastor talking about small group and saying, "Hey, you know, life is better connected. You you need to be in a small group." You know, we have uh, another thing culture has done is it's kind of ch- turned the church into a, a shopping center. And we come here as consumers to get what we need. I mean, I, I've got a relationship with the Lord, and so there's some things I need, and I come to church to get it, and I I, I I get it, and and then I leave. And so we've turned the church into into something we consume. And because we do that, sometimes the pastors of the world kind of get caught up in that. And our primary job is I'm the I'm the pitch man. I'm the primary pitch man here at the Heights, and I've got to make a pitch for why you want to do this, for why you want to be this. And if I do a really good job at pitching it, you buy, right? You buy. You go out there and you get you get involved in a small group because I sold you on how good small group would be in your life. It'll do this. It'll do this. It'll do this. You know, I I, w- I was doing this one time about two years ago, and I think I've said this once. I know I've said this once before. But I, I listened to myself. You may wonder, does you ever listen to yourself? Not often, but every now and then. And I was listening to myself, and, I, and I, one time I had this thought. I wouldn't buy what I'm selling. Yeah, You know, I've told you this before. Most people find this hard to believe because you just don't assume this of anybody up front. I am dominantly an introvert. I do not need to be heard. I do not need to be in front of a group of people. Sometimes to a fault, I don't even need to be with people. I'm an introvert. So if you're telling me, here's why you need a small group, you know, and I would be the one sitting there right now going, no, I don't. I don't, I don't need that. I I don't need to know somebody's praying for me. Don't don't get me wrong when I say this. I'm not saying I don't want somebody to pray for me. But if you're just selling me on the need I feel, I'm not naturally going to say, I want to be known, I want to be heard, I I want somebody praying for me, I want to be able to do this together. That's not an often phrase in my natural personality. So I wouldn't buy what I'm selling. But that is the danger of turning Christianity and the church into a consumer product. Is God and Christ becomes nothing more than what I need. And I'll determine when I need it and how I use it. But what if the reason I need to get connected? What if the reason I need to be in a small group is not what I need? It's because I need to have a place to connect people. Because you know what you and I don't do? We generally don't do in somebody else's life what we're not doing in our own. I don't encourage people to do things I'm not doing. I I don't take people to places I don't go, right? I mean, I'm not going too fast here, am I? I I mean, we just, we don't do that. What if the only, you know, I go to a small group. I don't know if I get anything out of it or not. But by being there, I now have a place where I can connect others. Folks, you have people all over your life from strangers to the people you love the most that need to be connected. And you're the only person God has in their life that will connect them to the whole equation of living for God. And it's not a solo journey. Dare I even, I almost almost hate to say this, dare I even get into parenting because some of us have raised our kids, are raising our kids, so they come into church, we get what we need, and we get out. And there is no necessary connection to the others in the room or the place in that building. So I have trained my kids to work a formula that will never work. That will never bring them the power and the presence of God in their lives. That will never bring them the fullness of the Christian Life, we go in, we consume what we need as individuals, and then we leave. No, not have to be any connection with anybody else. We've, we've literally trained people and raised them this way. You know, again, we're all affected by our, our culture, something that has become just common vocabulary in the American Christian culture. My personal journey. My personal faith. My private. You ever, ever heard anybody say, that's, that's my, my, you know, my religion is private to me. You know, again, in America, there's hardly anything we celebrate bigger than my individual being. The, the problem is that not one single place in Scripture will you see the word or the idea of a private faith. A personal faith. Journey a personal faith—it's it's just not there. I wonder how many churches. Oh, you're trying God, you're trying Christ, and and we just send them on nothing but a personal journey that is never described in Scripture. We we live life together. We we've got a concept of the larger community, and out of the larger community, we're engaging in in a smaller community in that that small group. That's what Jesus. What do you think he's doing here? Oh, he's calling some people he needs to work with. No, he's modeling the Christian life for you and me. So, as we always do out there, is a way for you to get connected. A way for you to choose, to discipline. That's all Jesus is doing here. He's choosing Out of the big group, a a smaller group. So when you walk out today, there's a circular table right outside the doors. I'm always pointing to a table outside the doors, aren't I? Uh, But this one's the really close table. It's a circle. And out there, folks, are our life groups. That's what we call our small groups. We have small groups on campus. The bulk of our small groups are on campus on Sunday morning in in conjunction with the the services here, the worship services. We We have life groups off campus. I would say there's pros and cons to each way. But you can go out there and you can ask questions. Hey, what a, what, where, when does this meet or how does this meet or how would I do this or where would I go? And they're, they're there to answer all your questions. And uh, here's the good news. You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to give your name. You're not making any commitment. They're just there to give you information. As you begin thinking and praying about, hey, if I really want to experience God, I need to help somebody. And I'm not helping somebody if I'm not helping them connect. I need to get connected. I need to take on that responsibility. And so they're there just to answer your, your questions about that. Hope you'll go out there and, and do that. Now, I, I'm talking obviously at this moment to people who maybe are not in a life group. You know, the funny thing is most of you are. As a matter of fact, you, you see our numbers in the bulletin uh, each Sunday. Most of the time you see a worship number and you see a life group number. About 60 to 70% of the people who attend in this room are, are also going to a life group. So most of us are. But because I'm going to a small group doesn't actually mean I'm helping anybody connect, am I? That, that really now becomes the next step. Now that you have that place, a place you're engaged in, and building life and building friendships, hey, who are you thinking about connecting? Start, start thinking. Start praying. That might be a stranger out on the street. It might be somebody sitting in here in the room with you right now. It doesn't have to be a, a just a, a lost person who hates God and not hates church. No, it might, might be somebody who actually loves God quite a bit, but just hasn't taken that step. What do you do to love, encourage, and, and help them take that step? You know, we will close the Bible not just on today, but on this series. Just two more Sundays. I said there's four things, and, and, and we'll finish this. But, folks... This isn't an event. (laughs) Hey, we're done. At the end of January, we're done with it. This is the Christian life. The Christian life is a constant going and getting and a constant connecting to the large group, to the to the small group. So we've been thinking about, you know, hey, how do we keep this going even beyond a sermon series? So we're going to have, uh, every month this year, and I hope it's something we're doing 52 Sundays a year, but we're going to have lead one Sundays. Sundays where we're all together thinking about, hey, who am I leading to worship, to connect, to well, wow, you have to come back next week to find out the third one, and after that, the fourth one. But you know, who am I leading to to do these things? So we'll have some Sundays that we're all kind of focused on on doing that. And our fir- we're going to do it the first Sunday of every month. So our first one is is Super Bowl Sunday. It's going to be such a super Sunday. Uh, super Bowl Sunday is going to be our first. We're all kind of focused on who who are we leading? And just take these two messages you can use that Sunday to begin thinking about and praying about, hey, who am I leading to worship? And yes, on that day, you would actually use a worship service uh, to show Christ, to to present Christ. But who am I leading to worship? Who am I leading? Maybe God will u- lead you to use that day to, to connect, to bring somebody to a a life group with you. But we're going to have a Folks, this is going to be a super special day. We're gonna—that's kind of what Ronnie was talking about a moment ago in the video, because it's kind of a team day. We're gonna all have, wear. We encourage everybody wear your favorite jersey: high school, college, pro hockey, basketball, football, whatever your favorite jersey is. We've done this a couple of times. We have a lot of fun with that, and and uh, so we'll we'll be doing that. But in the worship service, man, we're going to be presenting the gospel that day. We're going to be showing Christ. We're going to be calling people to baptism. Now, we kind of do that every week, but we're going to have one of those Sundays. We've done this like two or three times where somebody answers the call to baptize. We're going to baptize right then, right there. That they come, it's going to be right now. And I'm telling you, it's an exciting, some of you have seen that and been there. It's a very energetic, it's a very exciting morning. So that's that's two, three, two Sundays, two more Sundays uh, from now. So right now, right now. Be one who leads one. And that has a very practical application. Who, who can I bring? Who can I begin seeking to encourage and help on that first Sunday in February? Maybe it's just to get them into the big room. Maybe it's to take them to one of the other rooms where they engage in small group. But, man, folks, this is the church. It's not what we do for an event. It's what we do for a life. Be one who leads one. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you put that face, that name on our heart, on our mind, right here, right now. And Lord, don't don't let their face get away from us. Lord, start moving and working in our hearts. Start moving and working in the opportunity and the circumstances going on that would just make it as easy and natural as possible for us to, to come alongside, to reach out, And and to encourage and help somebody maybe come and see Jesus for the first time. Or or make that connection into a a life group class. Oh Lord, I pray you, you would build an army around this activity. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.